Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. I started my career in the trenches, and honey, I've stayed there. For the past 40 years, I've worked every facet of the criminal justice system, police, courts, and corrections. I've worked with law enforcement and victims of crime and criminals to solve cold cases, and I have genuinely befriended them all. Well, not all of them, but most of them. I've had, I had the opportunity to work a cold case from 1965. And one of the gifts of working that case was being able to sit with Captain Cliff Strickland, retired from the Atlanta Police Department, who in 1965 was the lead detective on the case I was working. And his recall of dates and addresses and times and names was just extraordinary. You would have thought that it happened a week ago, not 55 years ago. Tonight, we're talking about the murder of 17-year-old Tammy Jackson, who was not just murdered, but tortured, stabbed over 130 times, hogtied, and run over by a car. We've had the opportunity to talk to her sister, and tonight we have the opportunity to talk to the lead detective, Detective Tara Smith. I'm Cheryl McCollum, and this is Zone 7. y'all let's talk a little bit about what we learned last time the location is so important the killer picked it he selected when and where and how so we are going to start where it ended this case takes us to savannah georgia deep south coastal town spanish moss hanging in the live oaks cobblestone streets that take you straight to the riverfront, horse-drawn carriages that take you past historical homes. Savannah is known for its parties, parades, and crime. <laughs> it is a postcard town where evil lurks. Just across the river, if you are standing on River Street, is Hutchinson Island, a river island, seven miles long and a mile wide, it serves the port of Savannah, and there's only two ways to access it, by ferry or car. You can either go from the Talmadge Bridge or Highway 17. It's a narrow two-lane road lined with thick woods 
occasional open spaces, sandy ground that goes right to the river's edge all around. Most tourists have never heard of it and wouldn't even know it existed. Most locals have never heard of it or been there. So last episode, we talked about victimology. I'm gonna take a break right here and discuss a little bit about what we learned. Tammy was an 11th grader from a strong family, loving parents, close sisters, an older sister, Stacy, and a twin sister, Tara. She loved to dance, hang out with friends. She was in that juxtaposition where she thought she was grown, but she was still just a kid. She and her mom butted heads, came to a head one night. Her mom made that famous statement, my rules, my house, you can't live here if you're not gonna follow them. And Tammy moved out. And she moved out with a boyfriend older than she was by about a decade, but she still went to school every day. When we are talking about a homicide this brutal, one that took multiple weapons, a lot of time, and a little bit of skill, believe it or not, we need to talk about the suspectology tonight. In the suspectology, we need a special guest. And tonight, it is such a gift to have Detective Tara Smith. Tara Smith is a mom. She homeschools her children. She's married to a firefighter. She is a detective with the Savannah Police Department, but she is also a pistol. And I think, personally, she's the answer to this case. Detective Smith, welcome to Zone 7. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You and I walked that crime scene together. But I want you just to break down what that scene is like. I mean, the first thing, I mean, you remember when, when we went, I actually took uh, my own personal vehicle, which is a Jeep Wrangler, because I knew that one of our police cars, low low riding vehicle would not make it to the scene without getting stuck. And if you remember, Cheryl, do you remember my Jeep getting stuck and bogged down? <laughs> so that goes to tell you about the scene in and of itself. And as you already explained, like Hutchison Island at its widest point is a mile. It's not very big. So, so it's just a small stretch and it's woods. You come off the bridge, you can turn left or right. And you're met with immediately like tall pines, dense pines, and there's little off turns where you can go. But you, the only thing that you're accessing would again be the river. So you're only there unless you're you're working with the Georgia Port Authority. We walked the scene, and it's it's very soft dirt in any of the clear spots. It's tall, like forested areas. It's very secluded. Even broad daylight, you have privacy to do whatever it is you can think of. And, and that's what really stands out about this this crime scene in particular. I mean, you could, anything goes at this crime scene. You're not going to be interrupted. Did Tammy have any ties to Hutchison Island? Well, we know that, you know, just being her age, Hutchison Island would have been a place that teenagers in that time knew about if they're going to go drinking or smoking or hanging out or doing anything where, again, they're not going to be discovered or Nobody's going to walk up on you. And Hutchison Island is probably a place that she would have been familiar with. And I do know just from, you know, the case reviewing her diaries and things like that, that it is a place that she has been to before. 
this spot is used for things that you wouldn't want to do out in public. It's, you know, he in and she in, uh, some teenager stuff, drinking. It is a place where, you know, where you can innocently be drinking some beers because you don't want mom to know. And it's also a place where uh, Mr. Jones is taking a prostitute. It's very private and secluded. I know when we were driving, following you, there were these little cutoffs where you could just maybe park one car. And like you said, you could be there in complete privacy. But then when you got to the clearing where the murder occurred, I mean, you could park 30 cars out there and have the greatest graduation night ever. It's kind of like what you would see in the movies when you're having like a teen bonfire. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I can name a few movies where we've seen that scene. Just a secluded, out in the forest, clear lot. And uh, exactly where her body was found was a cleared lot completely surrounded by woods. There was only one way to it, which would have been a little inlet, a little dirt road where the people that found her would come and go. You have privacy, you have openness, and the only people out there to bother you aren't people. They're huge mosquitoes. All right. So when you and I were also there, the thing that struck me is if they had just thrown her in the river or they had just tossed her 20 yards into the woods, she would have never been found. Does this person want to be found? Did they do this on purpose and leave this body discoverable for somebody? Or is it somebody that was interrupted? Or is it someone that just is really stupid? And like you said, I mean, you're literally 10 feet from the river. If you, if you wanted to hide her, you all you needed to do was walk 10 feet with her. Soaking wet, she isn't but 100 pounds. I mean, she's very little. You could have easily picked her up, could have obviously pulled her into the wood line. Again, in this place, I'm very familiar with it. It used to be in one of my beats when I was on patrol. I guess I'm, I'm going to say quarterly. We would find a body out there that had been dumped out there. And it was typically a prostitution type thing. And when we would find these bodies, they were always attempted to be concealed in the wood line. Tammy's case doesn't fit that. She's just out in the open in this perfect, pristine, soft dirt, which leads lots of tracks and tire prints and footprints. So I know that Tammy was walking around on this crime scene. I do know that at some point in time she was walking around there. Because she was walking around there, then you know that that it must have happened there, that she was not dumped. You know, one thing that struck me the very first time you and I spoke on the phone was how deliberately you thought of this case. Like, you did a 360 the first time you ever opened that file. So you were never single focused on any one thing. You didn't have blinders on. You were completely open to, if there's something new to try, I'm gonna try it. And I personally think that was pretty incredible, as old as this case is, that you don't open it up and all of a sudden just zero in on somebody and that's it. I was real impressed with your, we're gonna start from ground zero and I'm working everything like it happened yesterday. I like to do that with any case, really. I don't like to read the investigator's narrative until I've looked at the scene. I've researched how you investigate things, and it's really, how was their last day? I like to get it from the 911 call. What I know took place in those few hours, and then just work it as though I'm the one on the case that day. Obviously, you know, and we can get into it in a little bit, like as far as (laughs) how in-depth the suspect list on this case is and how... Mm -hmm. Uh, this is not a simple case. It's probably one of the most complex cases I've ever worked. 
And it, I mean, really, if it wasn't for you and obviously her family, like her sister pushing this case, I would have been stuck because in a case like this, you really need science to narrow it down for you. I agree. And, and to me, I mean, I have a mantra, every tool on every case, every time, period. Whatever needs to be thrown at that case, you need to do it. Anything in the toolbox, use it. And I think it's really important here, too, just to remind people that when you are dissecting a murder, especially one that involves overkill in a remote place, already in a small town, I think it is imperative to go step by step. So at this point, and we've talked about she was stabbed over 130 times. And some publications have used the term hogtied and then run over by a car. So at this point, Detective, why don't you tell us what all was done to that child? I probably know a little bit more than what I can discuss right now before we take the case you know, to court. But what we do know, and, and also what was released in the papers, I mean, she was found in an open area. She was, I wouldn't call it hogtied, but she, she was tied up in a very well-dressed knot. She was not able to move or defend herself in any way, shape, or form. She was stabbed uh, at least 130 times. And at some point in time, a car ran over her. We know that. Uh, th there was probably other things that took place as far as her injuries are concerned. And I feel like calling it overkill does not even a good word to adequately describe this it's more than overkill. It, it is, it's just so excessive. When you see cases that are overkill, you're thinking like, oh, you know, I, sh I emptied my magazine on you or I, I shot you several times or, or maybe, I, maybe I stabbed you 10 times to try to picture 130 times. If, if you've ever done workouts or, or anything, you don't have to get 130 steps or whatever. So I took a butter knife to my couch to just count out what it would take to get to 130. I don't want to be gross about it, but like I'm not going through the couch like somebody went through Tammy. So I'm, I'm not even requiring the pressure that it would have taken for whoever did this to Tammy. And I was still winded. I was still tired. It was still excessive. It took extreme effort and focus. And, and I had to have, all right, I got to get to 130. So if you can imagine what that was like for somebody who was doing that at the time, it's just more than excessive. It took effort. It's very rare in law enforcement that we see anything like this. You see anger, you see revenge, you see accidents. I can't find anything to fit this category. It's, it's more than excessive, truly. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. 
That's 25% off at lifelock.com slash iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a Chill Mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on Chill Mattresses and get two free pillows iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So walk us through the morning that she's found. Give us the date, the time, wherever you think is imperative start and just tell us the story set the background for 1994 1994 is is the oj simpson trial 1994 is nancy kerrigan getting hit in the knee i believe forrest gump was filmed so that's what's going on in 1994 so we don't have cell phones we have pagers and it's pre-dna so i know that my suspect's probably not wearing gloves why would you we wouldn't know anything about dna because we didn't until the oj simpson trial happened in that june of that year of 1994 and this is before google so i know that whoever did this had actually had been taught this or practiced this they didn't just google it like we would do nowadays you're talking about um, the and knot? Then, yes i'm talking about the knot the rope it would have not been something that you could have just looked up on the internet at all. You would have had to have been taught it, which tells me a lot if, if we're going through the suspect or who this could have been. And this is also 1994. And I also need to familiarize myself with what Hutchison Island and what Savannah looked like at the time of 1994. At that time, you have no reason to be at Hutchison Island. Now there's a hotel. So you could say that, oh, if I turn you know right off the bridge, there's a hotel there. At that time, there's a water tower and, and there's the Port Authority, and that's who it's owned by. And so before MapQuest, you know, when we used to download, you know, uh, like pirates, we used to download our directions into MapQuest and follow them on our, on our little 
paper where we were going. You know, this is before even that. So she would have had to have known, the suspect would have had to have known and been there and had directions at some point in time. That comes into play when you're thinking about a serial killer or somebody going up and down 95 or something like that. This is, somebody would have had to have been there before, had knowledge of it. It's January 26th, it's 1994, so, you know, January. In Georgia, we don't have all four seasons. We have hot as Hades, and then and then we have a little bit of cold for, like, ten days, and that's about it. It was cold this morning. She was found at the break of daylight. So she was there, and as soon as the daylight came up, the con- construction. I don't want say that they were construction workers. They worked for the port and they were clearing land in that area. They discovered her. They called the police. The police arrive on the scene and I think everybody was flabbergasted. They'd never seen something like that. Um, Her age, they knew immediately that how young she was without even knowing who she was. They knew the excessiveness of and just the brutality of of what happened to her is more than just a dumped body that we sometimes see. And then the manner of which she was tied. So the detectives, their first task is to identify this person. They found that she had a a ring that looked like a class ring. And they found what school it was at. And they went to that school. They looked through the yearbook and they found her mother's initials. When learning who was probably, at that time they weren't sure, but who was probably her mother. They looked up what church she went to and they went and talked to that pastor that pastor came out to the scene and identified her, knowing he'd seen her before and knew that who she was. And so now they have a name. They have Tammy Renee Jackson. They know that she just turned 17. So now they've got to track her last hours of what happened. And that's really right there. That's when the case gets really complicated. And I think it's, you know, one of these cases for all of us listening to you talk. She's doing things we all did. We all wanted to hang out with friends. We all thought we were grown. We all wanted to be alone with somebody we cared about. So, you know, as you are talking, I'm thinking, gosh, when I was 17, I would have been the first one on Hutchinson Island. I would have been the first one saying, y'all, we have found the mother load of places to go and celebrate being 17, 16, 18. And then you start thinking about Savannah as this gorgeous city full of history. I mean, there's a reason it's one of the tourist hotspots. I mean, it's got everything. It's got great music. It's got great food. It's got great homes. It's got ghost stories, you know, and now you've got this horrible event that you're having to walk through and the list of suspects. I mean, let's just start your list. I mean, you've got the boyfriend. I mean, that's an obvious place to start. Yeah, we got we got a boyfriend. Me and my me and my coworker, we 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 pulled out a good old fashioned lined paper, and we started putting names on it. And he, by the end of the page, he goes, "My goodness, well this is this is a needle in a stack of needles," and and that was the best way to put this. It's more complex than any case I've ever worked because typically you have what two people that you might suspect. Fortunately, I, I am fortunate enough to have her diary. Because now she personally is adding more people into it. And then I've got what I know, what witnesses say. And then I've got her family and what they say. And then I've got her friends and what they say. And by the end of the day, it's a chunky, soupy mess. It's a suspect soup. And 
I don't know what else to call it. I could probably talk about her last week. It'd probably take me two hours to go over all of it. Well, we have the boyfriend. Was he in town, out of town? We'll start there. We'll start with her boyfriend. We know she's got a boyfriend. He's in the military, and he's not in town. But he is within driving distance. We have a boyfriend before this boyfriend that she was seeing when she got kicked out of her home. So that's the different boyfriend. Uh And I think what happened with her family is her family noted that she was starting to make her own choices. Uh, It went against what her parents set, the guidelines and and the rules. You know, as parents, we set those rules and guidelines to keep our children safe. But as a child, you don't view it as that. You view it as oppression, I guess. But she was told if if you're going to behave that way, you can't do it here. So she moves on from that person she's dating to another person. He he calls up this friend. Can you stay with, can, can my girlfriend stay at your house? So then this guy starts dating her. I know from a friend's account that for a week prior to her being found, she's at a birthday party. She meets this other girl who's in the same exact scenario she's in. She's the same age, just been kicked out, seeing adult men living the life, thinking they've got it all figured out. They go to a birthday party of friends. And when we get into groups that we get into, it, it, it can influence you in a good way or influence you in a bad way. And this friend influenced her in a bad way. They end up downtown. They end up on River Street, which if you've ever been to River Street, it's a lot like New Orleans Bourbon Street. It, it's You're there to drink. Some men find her there that night. They feed her and her friend alcoholic beverages They take her back to where they live. Something happened that night. I know that. Her friend is a witness and knows that. And so we have to, those guys are also in the suspect list because something happened and it wasn't, it was consensual and then it wasn't. And we know that much. She calls her boyfriend. She says, something happened with these guys. I don't feel comfortable at this apartment complex anymore. Her, Her boyfriend says, no problem. Let me call my other adult man you know, in the military to come pick you up. So here's another man comes and picks her up. She goes and stays with him. I know through her diary that she's not having a great time at this person's house. And she's writing about uh, the the boyfriend before the other boyfriend. So she's still in contact with these people. And then there's the two guys at the apartment complex that she went to Wet Willie's and had the big call a cab slushy vodka drink. Her last days, we know that she was in the staying with a man because she was uncomfortable about the other two men. She was staying with a man at his home. She made a phone call from witnesses say like, again, you have to, you can only take them at face value. Uh, but there was two younger, much younger than her girls staying in this home that she was staying at. And they told police that they heard her say, okay, I'll see you outside. And that was the last phone call that she made. And we have witnesses that we know are credible that saw her walking down a road in Savannah. And from there, the last place she's known is she's walking down the road in Savannah. Her body is discovered the next morning. The police broadcast what happened on the news. And that night generated a call from another witness. He said he saw her walking down the road, that she was stopped by two men in a car that it kind of didn't sit well in his stomach whatsoever. He turned around. He said, hey, are you okay? He said it, it just 
bothered him and he, he felt horrible that he didn't do anything about it. But she said, yeah, I'm okay. Like she knew them or something. And so he turned back around and he said, it still didn't sit well with him. So he turned back around and, and her and the car are gone. And then the next morning she's found on Hutchison Island. And that's the last thing that we know happened to her. You and I have talked about that because one thing that I've told my daughter over and over and over, men know when other men are not on the up and up. We don't know it. We just think he's cute. He's got a nice smile. But your dad, your brother, your cousins, your uncles, they're going to know almost instantly if this guy's up to no good. So for that man to get that feeling just seeing her, that's a pretty significant red flag for me. That's a fantastic observation. I mean, truly, if if that man that doesn't even know her, he's obviously picking up on body language, facial expressions. He knows exactly what they're doing. If he felt that sick to his stomach that he turned around and asked her if she was okay. I mean, we all drive by things all the time. We don't stop. And he felt that bad about it. His intuition was on point. I do believe that that's the last people that saw her. I don't think that anything happened between that car and her being found. That was not a good situation. Now, her diary, that's pretty incredible because she's basically a witness from the grave for you. She's able to talk directly to you the best she can. That's kind of a money tree. We don't always get that. It's, it's No, and it's wonderful. And, and even though, you know, it sometimes leaves you more questions because you don't know what she's referencing when she's saying certain things, but it's just a treasure trove of information about her and about her psyche at the time. Does she feel threatened? Is she uncomfortable? Is she happy? What What's going on in her life? And she's, I mean, the biggest thing that I take from her diary is how naive she is. She's not someone who is out looking for this or trying to get into this. A lot of people would read this and say, oh, a body dumped at Hutchison Island. No, she's a prostitute. She knows exactly what she's doing. I don't think so. And I know that from her, her diaries. I know for a fact that she's not... If she's doing that, she doesn't know she's doing it. She is so naive. And I think her end game is to get married and fall in love and have a white picket fence and all's good in the world, rose-colored glasses. I I know through her diary that she has absolutely no idea the realm that she has found herself in with these men. And to your point, even though she's no longer living at her parents' house, she calls her mom every day. She goes to school every day. She still wants to be around, you know, her friends and her sisters. So again, it's not like she's living this life of this worldly woman all about town. No, I think it's important that anyone who sees this case knows that in every way, shape, and form, she is a, is a little girl. She is a child. She is not some red light district girl making money. She has no idea what that is about. She is looking for love. What got her there and, and what how she met these people and got her in this environment, I'm not sure. But I do know that the extent of her naivety, I do know that she had no idea what she was in. And she is doodling in her notebooks, little hearts and little houses and and 
everything I remember doing as a, as a girl in high school. I mean, she reminds me of me. Like, she's just living, being a girl. She went to school. She was in, in the good crowd. She wasn't doing anything wrong. And it goes to show you, like, even now that I'm a parent, it goes to show you how quick something can turn from innocent to darkness really quick. And I think we both remember exactly how we felt when we were her age. She is a girl. She is mm -hmm. not mature. She's not out there working them. She's not doing anything. She's not doing drugs. There's nothing in her system. Because we, you know, we do toxicology, so the autopsies, there's nothing in her system. She's a child. And I think that's very important in this case. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great, too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Well, let's talk specifically about the killers. We know they had a car. We know they used rope. They had knowledge of whatever this sophisticated knot system is. She was fully clothed. So if you look at you know, was it disorganized or organized? I mean, she was disfigured when she was run over. She was tortured. She wasn't hidden. And that's disorganized. And then organized, they brought the weapons with them. They had a car. They had sophistication of something, you know, 
a little different. I mean, you're not going to see somebody tied up with rope every day. I mean, that's an unusual part of this case that I think, again, you've done the right thing zeroing in on because that alone is going to narrow your suspect pool. I did a lot of research on the BTK killer and a few other ones, and, and we use different databases that, that show us crimes. I've heard no middle ground. I've heard polar opposite opinions on this case. I've heard that this is disorganized because the reason I'm going to say disorganized is because perhaps the rope was already in the car and they just happened to have knowledge of tying it because of their past that the tools that they used to stab her with are perhaps things that were just in their car and they just kind of stabbed with no purpose, just stabbed and, and they thought she was dead and then left. And then you've got somebody polar opposite of that that says this is very sophisticated. This is someone who knew exactly where to stab her, missing vital organs, knowing exactly how long it would take to bleed out, intentionally not putting her in the river that is 10 feet away from her. This is somebody who knew the knotting like system and has probably done this before and would do it again. This is someone who wanted her to be found. Like we find that a lot of serial killers love to have their victims be found. The autopsy report, the corner wrote this was a slow death that mm. she bled out but very slowly this was long it was not quick and so is that intentional or is that just happenstance yeah just somebody just stabbing you know at will and back to the suspects too like to make the the chunky suspect suit chunkier i didn't even mention that at the time there, about a year after the original detective, he he found that there's some murderers in Florida who tied up their victims, and they very much honed in on these two individuals in Florida. And the lead detective on the case originally, he still believes to this day that it was them. I'm not going to rule anyone out. We've discussed this. Like, I won't take anything off the table. You're all on the table, and you're all in my soup. Anyone who had any contact with her lied. Is that because you don't want to be associated with somebody you just murdered? Or is that because you murdered her? And so it gets cloudy. And so as a cold case detective, I'm working on your narratives. And then I have to work it backwards as though I'm working it originally at the same time. So I'm going with what I have. And that's why when it gets this chunky and diluted, I, I call the expertise of other people because science and that's where you come in. I really wouldn't be able to push this any further than speculation, really, if if it weren't for you. Well, that's nice of you to say. But, you know, I often tell people, you know, when you see a lake, like maybe first thing in the morning, and it's just still, like the water's not even moving, but you have no idea what's going on underneath. You know, the catfish are doing their thing, the bass, the turtles, you know, some snakes, all this stuff is alive and happening just below the surface, but you would never know it. That's how I sometimes see these cold cases. You go to Savannah, and you're standing on River Street, and you're looking across that river of this beautiful piece of land. It just looks pristine and happy and fun. You have no idea the underbelly. You just don't. 
and just below the surface sometimes will blow your mind. So now you're telling us it could be serial killers working in tandem. It could be a police officer. It could be a boyfriend. It could be another boyfriend. It could be a married boyfriend. It could be somebody in the service. It could be somebody that she knew and trusted. It could be somebody she just met at a bar. You got a lot of work you got to do, and that's a lot of people you got to weed through. Again, amongst all this just perfect area, because Savannah, for all purposes, is a small town. Everybody kind of knows everybody. They get a ton of tourism, obviously, so there's some strangers there that, you know, the toxicology is negative. She's fully dressed. I mean, there's some things that just kind of throw you on this case that you're not expecting necessarily here. So, you know, you've been connected with some pretty significant people. So hopefully this case is in a different place for you now. Absolutely. Through you and what you've connected me to, because the department can only do what we have. I mean, we all states deal with their state lab and their state lab is always underfunded, understaffed. I mean, just overworked. And so when you ask them, hey, I have a case from 1994, they say, yeah, no, and, and point to the door. It comes down to people pushing it and being the squeaky wheel. And thank goodness, like Tammy has several squeaky wheels and we can push this. And I, I told before I even spoke to Tammy's family, I said, I, I will not whether I'm investigating or still working in homicide or not, like I will never stop working this case because there's an answer. I mean, I have my theories and, and I know that I, I know the science is caught up. I know that I hope that the suspects are listening. I hope the suspect comes across this being aired and they can hear me because I know that you know that I'm coming for you, that there's so much physical evidence that I have from this case because we did not have DNA in 1994. We didn't do that in 1994. I think they did blood typing and then hair typing. Science now, I mean, it's blown my mind. Even the people that you've put me in touch with over the past year, they've been able to take DNA mixes from where there's it, seven mixes. They can go through seven mixes. That's that's incredible. And so I know that this will be solved. No doubt in my mind. And fortunately, with this case, I found all the physical evidence. Like, we have everything. They weren't wearing gloves. They weren't. Why would you? Why would you have gloves on? You would not have gloves on. You wouldn't. Only after O.J. Simpson, you may think to put gloves on. I know that it took you a considerable amount of time to tie this knot. I know that it took you a considerable amount of time to stab her 130 times. I know that it did. That That is excessive and that you touched her. You had to have tied her up. You had to have touched her. You had to have worked that long to even have stabbed her that long. So whether you wanted her body to be found because you're a sick serial killer or is revenge killing or you're mad because you're married, whatever, I will get you. Science will get you. My bread and butter is interviews and interrogations. And all I need is just a little bit. The suspect's gonna be done. I mean, there's no way. Unless they're dead, I'm coming for you. A needle in a stack of needles. They were counting on no new evidence, no new witnesses. But they weren't counting on Detective Tara Smith, I'll tell you that. <laughs>
The white hats are coming, honey. And we're gonna end Zone 7 the way we always do, with a quote from somebody I've worked with. And tonight, it comes from Atlanta homicide detective David Quinn. And David says, the main thing to remember when entering the world of criminal homicide investigations is faith. Faith in your common sense. Every person that ever wondered who killed the victim is a homicide detective. Detective Smith, thank you for your time. I'm Cheryl McCollum, and this is Zone 7. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.